Okay. So let's just adjust that a bit. Okay. okay. I'm Anthony Monty. This is Cup of Chi, episode fourteen. We're actually doing a face-to-face with Jonathan Shubbs, who has come all the way from Switzerland to teach this fine weekend of wind, rain, sleet, snow, hail, sun. That was in an hour. That's in an hour. <laughs> and we have a theory. <laughs> we have a theory about the Irish weather and that it's uh, schizophrenic. But, uh, so we're here to talk about anything and everything, really. And the work that Jonathan's been doing here is helping us have a deeper and better comprehension of what Chinese medicine actually is, how it interacts, how it... I'm giving one image of it. One image of it. You know, there are many other people who have different visions. and That's all it is. It's an image. It's a story. And when you use stories, you interact with them. What what would be the hardest? What's been not the hardest, but necessarily the more trickiest, the trickiest of stories to disseminate and. Well, I would say more like this is that we can't. The information we have about Chinese medicine, it was it's based in a geopolitical time. Okay, there's history. There's politics, there's social influence, and there's the medicine. Just like in Western medicine where we've separated the psyche from the physical, we, like to, we tend to do the same thing with medicines and with sciences. We're saying the science is separate from the, from the historical, political landscape in which it's, it's taking place. Mm-hmm. And just like in Chinese medicine, we see the psyche as being integrated into the physical and there's no real difference. Yet when we talk about Chinese medicine, we don't have that same uh, approach to understanding its theory, saying that there's also historical and political influences in it. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, I mm-hmm. think the biggest thing is, is to take this medicine, which over you know, how many thousands of years we've seen its efficacy and to turn it into a universal medicine and not only based in the geographical explanation of China, because when we look at the five elements, they use the geography to explain why certain things happen. Mm-hmm. And yet when we take the same theory, apply it clinically, to people who live in different geological patterns, geographical patterns, a theory holds without us needing those geographical patterns. Mm -hmm. So I guess my goal is to sort of strip away all of these influences of place and political influence Mm -hmm. and come down to a universal understanding of what we're talking about. Mm It's really interesting you say that because it brings into mind a conversation I had with a client last night, and he wanted to know, well, what is the difference between Japanese and Chinese and Korean acupuncture and Vietnamese? Mm -hmm. 
And the only answer I could give him was, you know, there are certain medicines that are, were carried through human movement and some of them get stuck in time. So literally when you think of say Korean hand acupuncture, or you might think of, uh, you know, uh, Korean five element, mm-hmm. which is what we're learning this weekend is, is it a snapshot in a period of history of time and it stayed that way, albeit with some modern influences, new types of needles, new ways of thinking, new ways of, of disseminating the information? And is it a representation of the thought processes, not of the geopolitical landscape, but of the, the way the medicine was being carried by the teachers? It definitely does have an influence on it. Mm. Um, but to come back to this idea of politics playing a role in it, I think one of the best examples is looking at the Japanese system, what happened in Japan. There was... My timing might be off because I'm not a historian or that type of academic, but the general story was, is I think it's around the 1600s, um, there was a blind acupuncturist. And this blind, this blind acupuncturist treated, I think it was the emperor, and then the emperor was so amazed at the efficacy of what he did, is, is that then he said only blind people could be acupuncturists. To get an acupuncture license, you had to be blind, and they created a whole school of, for blind acupuncture, which influenced the way acupuncture was done. Um, this influenced the Japanese very palpation-based, because they weren't going to be able to look at the tongue, look at the, the facial complexion, and they were... They had a heightened sense of palpation. They developed the abdominal palpation, much, you know, all of these types of things. And even the needle techniques where they would just place the needle or go very shallow, shallow. So there you have an example of the politics saying that only blind people could do it. And then that population of blind practitioners finding the best way for them to do it which created what we call the Toyohari system, which is one of the main Japanese systems of acupuncture. Mm. Um, they don't pierce the skin, right? So the, the, the traditional way of doing that is they don't pierce the skin, yeah. is that they place the needle and they wait till they feel the difference. The pulse the, uh, change. Or... Not even the pulse. It's when they place the needle, they're actually waiting to feel what happens with the needle and then they'll, and that's it. Yeah. Um, and so that's one example of the influence of politics. Now, with us, we're, we often make reference to the classics, right? So we make reference to Naijing, the Nanjing, etc. And we often...